just wanted to create like a movie, man, like an audio cinema. cinema. If you, that when you hear it, it just sort of gives you a three-dimensional picture of what things are like. Virginia's a spot where a lot of people migrated to hustle. Like, them motherfuckers don't play. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. (laughs) On this episode, what we're going to do is we're going back. We're going back to 2002. To be more specific, August 20th, 2002. On that day, the hip-hop duo Clips released their major label debut studio album entitled Lord Willing. It's hard to believe that this album is turning 20 years old. Um, Because I remember it like it was yesterday, honestly. Um, I think before, and of course I'm going to get into the tracks and the production and my overall thoughts of the album. Um, let's go back to 2002. Uh, at that particular time, hip-hop really was in a different place um, from what we knew. At that time, hip-hop had seen, you know, a tremendous amount of commercial success. And they were riding the wave of the 90s into the 2000s. And I'll be honest, the lyricism that we had from the, you know, late 80s into the 90s into the into the 2000s uh kind of fell off a little bit but more importantly because hip-hop was growing and it had grown so much by the time 2002 rolls around not only are we getting hip-hop from the places where we've always gotten hip-hop i mean there was always hip-hop produced for the masses in cities like New York City, the birthplace of hip-hop, L.A., Miami, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, just to name a few. But in the early 2000s, what started to happen was was that slowly but surely you started getting hip-hop from places that normally didn't produce a lot of hip-hop. And with the advent of technology, it was growing and growing and growing and it was bubbling. And then all of a sudden you were getting hip hop from places like North Carolina and Virginia. Now, if you want to speak about Virginia and you're talking about hip hop, it kind of ends and begins with this duo from Virginia, the Clips. They are malice. It's a lot of serious shit going on at home with a lot of our people. You know, um, outcomes looking a little crazy or whatever, but uh, it's a sad situation for real. And it's like, it ain't nothing that I'm proud of or whatever. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing to brag about. The shit is serious. Cause in Virginia, you know what I'm saying? It's like a military town. 
it's what they call a commonwealth state so they make up their rules as they go along you know what i'm saying and you know it's like they don't give a fuck about your life man so you could just be out here trying to feed your family or whatever you get pop it's a wrap they throwing like football numbers at you like 40 years and his brother push a t i'm from virginia i'm i am from virginia i i am virginia you know, clips are Virginia. Star Trek is Virginia. It's not just a takeoff and a spinoff or something. Now, now Virginians have something to call their own. You know what I'm saying? It's the clips. Clips. And this group exploded onto the scene back then. And I'll be honest, like prior to this album coming out, well, obviously. You know, they had a couple of singles that was that were released before the album came out. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But prior to them coming out, I had heard them, I think maybe on a clue tape, DJ clue tape. I can't remember which one, but it was a long time ago. But I didn't know. I don't think I knew initially that they were from Virginia. Uh, and then I heard them on a clue tape and then clue said, shout out to VA. And I was like, VA what? <laughs> Because I wasn't sure where VA was. Of course, I knew it was, was VA, Virginia. And then I remember my boy Zell. Shout out to uh, Easy Does It VA, who's been on here several times on this podcast. Zell hit me up one day and he was like, yo, you need to check out clips on a new Clue tape. I, re- I distinctly remember him telling me this. And this is before Grinding even came out. Because they actually had some music that came out, I want to say in the late 90s. It was they they had a album called uh, Exclusive Audio Footage, and that was on Electra Records. They had a song that came out called The Funeral, and I want to say that did appear on a clue tape, uh, but don't quote me. <laughs> and I remember hearing them. I was like, okay, these, these dudes are different. But again, I, until Zella said something, I really didn't know that they were from Virginia. And long story short, Song comes out. They ended up getting dropped by the label, but they ended up getting picked up a few few years later by uh, Arista, and they got a deal through uh, Arista Records with uh, Star Trek, which was the label of the production team of the Neptunes. The Neptunes are Chad Hugo, and of course Pharrell Williams. So we fast forward to 2002 and this album comes out and it was the hottest thing smoking. <laughs> I mean, they had already released a couple of singles, but man, I, I just remember the buzz and everybody was trying to get this album. I, I know I didn't get it the first day that it came out. I didn't get it on August 20th. I got it the next day because I was running late or something like that. I can't remember where I was going, but I, I couldn't get to the record store. And I was trying to get to the record store because back then, like if you didn't cop an album the first day that it came out or, you know, at least in the first couple of days that it was out, there was a pretty good chance that you could be without that particular album. Cause again, this was the time where you had to actually leave the house <laughs> to purchase music so this album comes out again august 20th 2002 and it is on fire um 
the album debuted at number four in the Billboard charts, uh, eventually selling 122,000 units in its first week, which was a lot, you know, particularly, you know, coming off of the strength of who they were. Um, and it was one of the best debut albums and one of the best albums, one of the best rap albums, I think, um, in the 2000s. Now, you know, when you compare the 2000s to the 1900s, excuse me, the 1990s and 1980s, that's not really saying a lot, but you know, roll with me here. I mean, this was a very, very good album. This album's runtime is right at an hour, um, 60 minutes, uh, exclusively produced by the Neptunes. Now, the Neptunes, and we're going to talk about their production because I think one of the main things about this album, one of the enduring features about this album, it's is its unique production. Um, Chad Hugo and Pharrell Williams as the Neptunes as a as a collective as a duo. Uh, what they did on this album sonically was give you some of the production and some beats and sounds that i don't know that we've heard before on you know wax i just don't and that's not to say like it was the greatest thing i've ever heard but some of the sounds some of the phonics that were used on this particular album and we'll get to it in just a second was incredible and again it was something that you had never heard before at least not in hip-hop but and I got to give, you know, Chad Hugo a lot of props because, you know, Pharrell has always been a front guy. He's always been the the guy that was out front. And, you know, Chad is, at least from what I can, what it appears, seemed to be somewhat reserved, maybe quiet, shy. Um, but we, everybody knows Pharrell. Every, like, I, I may have heard Chad Hugo talk in like three interviews, <laughs> but everybody knows Pharrell. But nonetheless, when you combine their production, over these gritty, grimy street tales of drug selling, corruption, um, you know, everything that goes into the clips, the street life, everything that goes into their rhymes. I mean, it was the it was a perfect combination and a perfect storm. Um, again, this album was well received, well received by critics. Uh, I don't remember what it got in the source, but um, very well critically acclaimed album. And, and again, the streets loved it. Um, they had three singles, excuse me, four singles that were released. Two were released before the album came out. Uh, the first single, Grinding, was released May 14th, 2002. Second single, When the Last Time, was released July 30th. 2002 the third single my I don't love her was released december 3rd 2002 and the fourth single god damn <laughs> it was released april 29th 2003 like i said this album i think one of the things that i really enjoyed as i went back to listening because obviously when you know when you when i get ready to do one of these reviews i always go back to the album and and to be honest this was one album that i was very very familiar with because i it's not like it's that far removed from what i listen to like there there are songs on this album that i still listen to to this day 
it had been a while since I listened to this entire album in its entirety. However, there are songs that I, I deem favorites of mine that, you know, kind of stay in rotation or, or, or I will play at the drop of a dime. Um, and that's the thing that I really enjoyed about going back to this album. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me that I didn't really pick up on, um, and I guess I always knew, but you know, it's you're you're always taken back when you think back to where you were and how these albums were presented to you and how you felt and and everything that came with it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, and not necessarily. I guess I can't use the word surprise. I was. I had forgotten. Let's say it like this. I had forgotten how well Gene Thornton could rap. Gene Thornton is malice. And that's not to say that he's not a good MC because he is a very good MC. But until I revisited this album, because, you know, when you're playing the singles, you're not really, you know, you're just you're into the singles for whatever reason that you're playing the singles. But listening to this album again, like I'd forgotten how good Malice was or still is. I mean, everybody knows Pusha T. Everybody knows Malice. But like, and I mean, he goes by no Malice now. Um, but back then, I mean, whoo. And as you go through this album, there are some tracks where you can honestly say like, <laughs> Malice was better than Pusha. And that's kind of bugged out to think about it in, in that aspect now, because, you know, a lot of people see Pusha T as this, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal MC. But that was one of the things that stood out to me um, going back and listening to this album in its entirety. Um, another thing that stood out to me, obviously, is is the production. And we can start right there. Again, this album was superbly produced. They didn't waste a beat. They didn't waste a moment. So let's get into the tracks. The album starts off with track one, the intro. And, you know, when you when you look at it, it's like, OK, the intro, you're thinking it's just going to be somebody talking and you, they just go on. But they get right to it out the gate. <laughs> um, very good way to start off an album. Then track two, Young Boy with uh, Pharrell on the hook. Listening to this one again, it reminds me that, and I was re constantly reminded as I was listening to this uh, album, is that Pharrell did most of the hooks. And, you know, <laughs> it's not like they needed it, like he needed any help. He said, and he sounded fine. And it was just, it per it was a perfect blend of, the music and the melodies along with his, you know, sometimes high falsetto voice. But when the album gets to track three, Virginia, <sighs> listen, <laughs> man, this track is so dope. And it's so dark and it's so heavy. And, you know, the subject matter is talking about, you know, how life is in Virginia. And I think the thing that stood out to me is like, you know, 
they were destined to put where they were from on the map. And they don't say, hey, you know, this is how it is in Newport News or bad news. <laughs> they don't say this is how it is in Virginia Beach. They don't say this is how it is in Hampton or the whole Tidewater area. They say Virginia. And so they are repping the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, I know you say, you know, the, the state motto is that Virginia is for lovers. But Pusha T and Malice remind us on this track that they aren't lovers. <laughs> At least not in that sense. Then it gets sped up a little bit to track five. God damn. Featuring Ab Liva and Roscoe P. Cold Chain. I love this joint, man. I love this joint. Again, a little up-tempo beat. And sonically, man, again, Pharrell and Chad, they don't miss. They really don't miss on anything on this song. And... um you know, the hook is infectious. It really is. It really and truly is. Then on track six, it gets even more, quote unquote, happier. Ma Don't Love Her is the title of track six featuring Faith Evans. Love this joint. Um, it's I've got my favorites. This is one of the favorites. Um along with grinding along with virginia <laughs> um but it's a it's a it's a cool song they did a video for it um you know talking about the ladies and you know the the player lifestyle uh love that joint then we get the track seven family freestyle performed by family another one very short it's only a minute and 57 seconds but fits well within this album then we get to track eight when the last time <sighs> the production on this one <laughs> i hate to be i hate for the production to be the first thing that i talk about but along with the dope rhymes this production is incredible i mean like pharrell and chad were known for these wild and crazy futuristic sounds and this song exemplifies it to the fullest then we get to track nine ego another joint that is very very solid so i mean like we are not at this point nine tracks in and i'm still rolling <laughs> track 10 comedy central featuring the rapper fabulous i love this joint man this one this one um stood out to me because one you get the cosign and the feature from fabulous and i mean like at that particular time fab was a you know very very hot i don't want to call him mixtape rapper but he was <laughs> he was a mixtape rapper and i mean like i don't necessarily know that they had any kind of close ties but you know it it says a lot to get a rapper like fabulous at that particular time and, and that particular point in his career on your debut album, your debut major label album. Um, but that's a banger too, as well. Then we get to track 11. Let's talk about it. Um, wait a minute. Did I even talk about grinding? Let's back up. <laughs> Cause I don't think I talked about track four, track four. Grinding. 
we gotta just be fair, man. Like, let's turn this business back into what it was, music, man. I think that's what we did for the grinding joint. We just stuck to whatever we want to do. I only use four sounds for my beat. A clap, a snap, Africans and gorilla sound, and a kick. That was it. I'm sorry, and the, and, and the beeps, which makes five. I mean, that right there says it all. Grinding. The grinding beat is a beat that, uh, again, I told you earlier, it was the lead single. Um, that beat, when that song came out, like on almost everybody's mixtape, and I'm not talking about mixtapes or what people think it is now. I'm talking about the real mixtapes back then, the DJ Clues, the you know Ron G's, all of the Kid Capri's. Everybody was rhyming over the grinding beat. I think, in my personal opinion, it is one of the top five beats in the history of hip hop. That beat and that echo sound that Pharrell is making with his mouth. I mean, what more do you want? I mean, like it, it's they could have been rhyming about any. They could have been rhyming about the alphabet, and <laughs> you put it over that beat, and it's a killer. And I mean, like when he said "legend, legend in two games," like on Pee Wee Kirkland, that flew over a lot of people's head. And then when we saw the video, Pee Wee Kirkland, the famous Pee Wee Kirkland, was actually in the video. If you don't know who Pee Wee Kirkland is, look him up. I don't have time to explain. But yeah, I apologize for skipping over track four. How could I grind it? One of my favorite tracks on this album. Then let's fast forward back to track 11. Let's talk about it. No, literally. Let's talk about it. That's the name of the track. <laughs> Featuring Jermaine Dupri. Now, if any of you know me personally, you know I'm not a fan of Jermaine Dupri. Um, think he's overrated. But Jermaine Dupri did his thing on this joint. And he's listed as a writer on here, obviously, because he rapped. I don't know if he did any production on it because this sounds like a very good blend of what Jermaine Dupri would have done at that particular time, as well as the Neptunes. So I'm not exactly sure, but Jermaine Dupri as well as the clips both all they all delivered very solid rhymes and that's saying a lot because i don't you know jermaine dupree's not a rapper but he he held his own rapping with these dudes um and then you kind of jazz it up a little bit well i don't want to say jazz it up it kind of gets funks a little, funked up a little bit on the next track track 12 gangsta lean i like that joint i like that joint it's another solid joint and then they close out the album with Jada Kiss and Styles P from the Locks, as well as Roscoe P. Coltrane with I'm Not You, another street banger. Um, this album is well again, if you well, here's the thing. If you look if you look at the additional tracks, it's like 60 minutes. But if you just go with just the core 13 tracks, it's a 52 minute album, right? So because on the there's a bonus track, um, which is grinding the grinding remix with uh, Birdman, Lil Wayne and Nori. And then there's a grinding selector remix with Sean Paul, Bless and Cardinal Fisher. 
So they've got grinding on here <laughs> three times, really. Uh, so if you take those bonus tracks off, it's a 52-minute album, right? So I think, you know, maybe if you get picky, you could probably find a skip or two if you got picky. Personally, I just let this album just run. I don't I don't skip any tracks. Um, and again, I, I maintain the fact that I think Malice, you know, on a couple of joints, you can make the case that he outshined his brother. Pusha T. And I think if you look at the two of them now, I think Pusha T's the better MC. But back then, I don't know. You could make a case that Malice was better on this album. And that's saying a lot because Pusha T, in my opinion, is a dope MC. But between their storytelling, their rhymes, I mean, Kings of the Coke rap. I mean, like, <laughs> I'll be honest, you know, people talk about their content and, or the lack thereof and that was some criticism that they received like hey man all y'all doing is talking about selling coke and you know they were like well, hey we're just talking about the streets this is what we did in the streets and you know i can't say officially because i don't know them but you know i've heard stories that you know they were heavily involved in the streets and i'll just put it at that and some of their people were really involved in the streets and I'll just leave it at that. So I don't, they weren't necessarily rhyming about stuff that they did not know or experience. Um, but again, I think these guys are two really, really dope MCs that mesh obviously well together because they're brothers. But this is a really, really dope album. I would encourage each of you to, after you finish listening to this episode, go back and listen to this album. This is a very well put together, again, dope rhymes, you know, a lot of drug talk, a lot of, you know, gangster talk, a lot of, you know, playeristic talk. And it's all done over some crazy ass sonically pleasing beats like this is one of the few hip-hop albums, and there are quite a few. This is one of the few hip-hop albums that, that you literally, if you wanted to, could just listen to the instrumentals. <laughs> and you'd be good. I mean, shout out to Chad Hugo and Pharrell Williams, because they really put their stamp, um, the Neptune sound, if you will, the Star Trek label, if you will. They put it on this particular album, and it stuck. And I think that speaks volumes. And, and I mean, at the time that this album came out, the Neptunes were, they were known. It wasn't like they were some unknowns. They were starting to, you know, their their buzz was, was here already. But, you know, the music that they gave other artists or the, the music that they produced for other artists was different from what they did for their boys. And these guys, I think Malice said in an interview, like they had been, under the neptunes as far as you know down with them and stuff for like 10 years so it wasn't like they just you know signed them to a deal and they just kept going but like they've been friends and been working together for 10 plus years by the time this album came out in 2002 and that says a lot because you normally don't have that kind of continuity over a period of time but it's there and i think 
once you take a listen at this album, you will see that they really delivered. Now, if we had to give it a mic out of the five mic system from the Source magazine, I'm probably giving this a four. Probably giving this a four. I don't know that I could give it any less. And I don't know that I could give it any more. Now, if you gave it more than four mics, if you gave it four and a half or four and three quarters, I can't necessarily argue. But again, dope, dope album. Dope, dope producer duo. Dope, dope producer. I mean, excuse me, uh, two MCs. Make sure that you check this out. That's going to do it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. Again, I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5G.